Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Let's just bow our heads for a prayer before I begin. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would come by your Spirit, that you would give us ears to hear your voice and open hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The current vision statement of St. Matthew's is to be a thriving, growing church at the heart of the community, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and serving the community. And over the last um, two years and four months, St. Matthew's has experienced more growth than any other church in the Reading Deanery. And that's exciting, isn't it? God is building his church here at St. Matthew's, and that is something really worth celebrating. For something like, I don't know, 10, 15 years before that, like many, perhaps even most congregations in the Church of England and in the Reading Deanery, the size of the congregation at St. Matthew's was declining, during which time an amazingly dedicated group of people worked their socks off, prayed faithfully, raised the money to keep the church going. But with the church unable to pay more than half of its full parish share, which is, for those of you who don't know, is the cost of, of, of it, keeping a vicar and a vicarage uh, going, if you like, um, it was facing, if you like, an uncertain future, I suppose. And so in 2011, the PCC and the wardens of St. Matthew's took a brave decision and invited a newly trained, untested vicar with a strange name from down the road to come and take up the post here and to bring a few of his friends with him. And so on June the 26th, 2011, myself, 22 adults and three children arrived at St. Matthew's to join the 30 or so already here. And I know that for many of those original 30 people, it must have been a bit like a large rock being dropped in a small pond. It created a lot of waves. Or imagine perhaps the life of a professional, married couple, no children, tidy house, and then one day triplets appear. 
And the next minute, everything's changed. The house looks like a bomb's hit it, and it's never quite the same again. Is this ringing any bells? I think perhaps. But if that wasn't enough, matters were only to get worse. (laughs) Because among those 22 adults were four or five people who were to become the kids' church team. Lynn, Chris, Paul, Bridget, Jan. And over the next two years, the number of children coming to St. Matthew's on a Sunday increased from three to around 33. And then it began to get really messy and really noisy. And all the cake started disappearing. And on top of that, the new vicar introduced modern worship songs into the mix, shortened the liturgy a bit to make it easier for some new people who were arriving in church because their children had started coming to kids' church. And, well, here we are today. <clears throat> Growth is exciting, but it's exhausting, and it's not always comfortable. And I know full well that some of you have found it extremely difficult And if that's you, I want to thank you and bless you for sticking with it and supporting the mission and the ministry of St. Matthew's with your prayers, with your hard work, but most of all with your friendship and your love. I have found St. Matthew's to be one of the most welcoming churches, full of wonderful, dedicated, faithful people. But if that is you and you are struggling with the changes, I want to say this to you. I have really heard you, and the leadership team at the church has really heard you. And we're aware that some of the latest changes to the morning services have, for some, been almost a straw that breaks the camel's back. And by the way, if you have started coming to St. Matthew's in the last couple of years, um, you may not even know what I'm talking about. And, And if that is you, then please forgive me for the next couple of minutes, but it's important to quite a few people who are here this morning. And the thing is, we don't want to break the camel's back. We want St. Matthew's to be a church which offers opportunities for worship that are open and accessible to everyone. And so I want you to know that we are doing something about it. And we'll be making decisions in the next two to three weeks to address in the best way we can the needs of those who seek a more traditional form of worship. And so my message or at least my first part of my message is this. Please don't make any hasty decisions. Um, Don't throw the towel in, because in mid-November, we'll be communicating to you decisions to address those concerns. And thank you again for your prayers and support. But now I want to turn and think about the longer-term future of St. Matthew's. Because two weeks ago, nine members of the PCC and staff attended a one-day conference entitled Leading Your Church into Growth. And it was put on by the Oxford Diocese. Um, It was blessed and attended by the Bishop of Reading and recommended to all the churches to encourage us to be missional churches which grow. There must have been about 350 people there. Robin Gamble, who led the conference, began with the gospel reading that we have heard read this morning. And I found it really helpful. So let's have a look at it now. Because Jesus is with his disciples, and he begins by asking a question about his identity. He says in verse 13, who do the people say the Son of Man is? In other words, he was saying, who do the people say I am? Jesus used that term, Son of Man, to refer to himself. 
And after, some of them tell him what some of the crowd are saying about him, that he might be Elijah or John the Baptist or whatever. He puts them on the spot. And he says, yes, but he says, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And in response to this revelation, Jesus says to him in verse 18, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, meaning Peter, the the, the name Peter means rock, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So Jesus says three things here, in effect. He, He confirms that he is indeed the Son of God. Secondly, that he will build an unstoppable church. And thirdly, that he's going to use believers like Peter, who recognize who Jesus is, to do that building of his church. And then he says one more thing about how he's going to do it in verse 19. He says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so the fourth thing that Jesus says is that believers will be given some kind of power and authority to build the church, which is accessed through prayer. That's what binding and loosing means. If we pray for protection against evil, for example, that's a binding prayer. And if we ask God to release goodness and peace and justice and mercy, that's a loosing, not losing, but loosing prayer. Um, And so we could sum it all up by saying that Jesus is building an unstoppable church on a foundation of prayer using the people who acknowledge that he's the Son of God. And one of the things that comes out of that is that the normal state of the church is to be one that is growing. That should be the normal state. Jesus is always building it, and nothing will stop it. It began with Peter. Peter was one of the twelve. Jesus sent out the twelve. More people joined. Then he sent out the 72. As they prayed in Jerusalem, just after Jesus' death and resurrection, there were were 120 of them gathered together. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were added to their number. And today it numbers over 2 billion. Jesus' church is always growing. And the Bible uses a lot of different analogies to describe the church. And most of them are living organisms. He talks about it as being like a vine, or a family, or a field of wheat, or a mustard plant. And the point is that healthy living organisms grow. And that should be the normal condition for the church. And the good news is that St. Matthew's has been growing over the last two years. So does the church grow by luck or by chance? Well, no, it doesn't. It grows by Jesus' command that it should grow, but because he chooses to use people like you and me to grow his church, it only grows by us praying and seeking his will for the church, and then once discerned, by forming a plan to carry it out. And partly because the diocese encourages us to do it, but much more because we think it's a very good idea, we are embarking on a new adventure called Mission Action Planning. I think there's a slide coming up. Called Mission Action Planning, or MAP, it'll no doubt get shortened to. 
which is simply an ongoing process of seeking God's will for the church and then planning strategically to achieve it. And the main points of mission action planning are really these. A, that it involves everyone in the church in discerning God's will for the way forward. In other words, it's founded on prayer, the prayers of the whole church. It's something that then creates a clear vision of where we think God is leading us in the future. And then we set clear actions, and and we understand the reasons for those actions, and then we regularly review it and update it to ensure that we're sticking to that vision that we have. And on the inside of your service sheets, on the inside back page of your service sheets, there is a timetable that will probably come up also on the, the, the slide here behind me, about how we're going to launch this mission action planning We're going to launch it on Sunday the 17th of November. And we're going to ask everyone in the congregation and some people in the community as well, because it involves listening to the community, to take away a booklet which will contain some questions to ponder over and pray about and to respond to. And we're going to ask for those responses back by the 12th of January. And then we're going to invite the whole church to come to a parish day on Saturday, the 15th of February, where we can spend the day together meeting, discussing and praying together about the outcome of those responses. And then following that, the PCC and staff, the leadership team, will meet again in March to use the output from the parish day to clarify the vision and agree priorities for the next three to five years. And we want everyone to be involved in it. Now, one or two of you may be thinking, oh, doesn't this all sound a bit like a kind of secular management program, you know, for the church? Is that really what we should be doing? But actually, Jesus had a strategic plan. Robin Gamble, in his book, Jesus the Evangelist, um, describes the way Jesus divided his ministry up into three clear periods of time. The first was the Galilee phase, where he travelled around the Galilee region, going to as many towns and villages as he could, gathering um, followers. The second phase um, was that having gathered around him a close group of followers, he spent much of the second phase discipling them, teaching them, going deeper with them, preparing them for their future ministry. And finally, in the third phase, he set his sights on Jerusalem and carried out the final crucial phase of his ministry to defeat evil on the cross and to rise again to eternal life. Jesus himself said that he only did what he saw the Father doing. He was always discerning his Father's will for the way ahead. If we look at Paul the Apostle, did he have a strategic plan? Well, it seems that he did. His strategy was to go to the major urban centres of the Greco-Roman Empire. He would go to the synagogue first to teach about Jesus to the Jews who were there. And then, with or without their support, he would then move out, start up house churches, put leaders in place, train them up, and then move on to the next town. And he repeated that over and over and over again. He had a clear strategic plan, and he was always in prayer, seeking God's will for where he was leading him. And in our Old Testament reading this morning, we see a wonderful model of someone else seeking God's will for the way forward. We're told that Asa, King Asa, was, was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. 
He engaged the whole nation of Judah in discerning God's will. And, he dis- and when he discerned what God wanted, he pruned out the things that weren't doing the country any good, and he built on the things that were doing the country good, that were good for the nation. And so we can see in the Bible how God uses people who have strategic plans to build his kingdom. And that's what we'd like to do here at St. Matthew's. We'd like to together discern God's will for the way forward, decide on a plan of action, and do it and review it regularly. And that's what mission action planning is all about. And I do hope that you will, all of us, will join in with this exciting new adventure. Finally, I'd like to leave you with just a few thoughts. For the first time in years, a new generation of young children in our parish are coming to church on a Sunday, are worshipping God, are learning from the scriptures, and are growing in faith. And do you know an amazing thing? Some of you may not know this, but every week, the families of the kids' church children get a knock on their doors from the kids' church team, who go out in whatever weather, wet or dry, cold or hot, dark or light, and they say hello to the children, they build friendships with the families, they encourage them to come the next Sunday. And I I did a rough calculation, that's about 2,000 knocks on doors a year. Um, And that's amazing dedication, isn't it? And uh, if you'd like to think about joining that team, then I can tell you it's really exciting. I love going out with the team, knocking on doors. I don't do it every week, but I do it from time to time. And it's great fun, have great conversations. Do you know, I'm regularly called by leaders of other churches these days. I had another call from a vicar in Newbury this week, and he said, I've heard about what's going on at St. Matthew's, and I wonder if you could tell me how you've managed to grow your children's ministry so quickly. Words getting out. I'm glad to be part of a church, which is where that's happening. There are also a significant number of Adults, some here this morning, who have joined the congregation over the last two years. Some of them connected through Kids Church, but others simply because someone has invited you or that you've heard about St. Matthew's and you've come along to, to try it out. And we've heard wonderful stories over the last couple of years of changed lives, of answered prayers. And I'm glad to be part of a church where that is happening. And then there are those people who have worshipped here for many, many years prior to 2011. And I'm sure that you, like me, would love to leave the legacy of a thriving, growing church which will endure into the future, which will be shining the light of Christ in this community in 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 100 years' time where perhaps our great-great-grandchildren might come, might come and worship and bring up their children in the faith and learn what it means to know the love and the grace of God in their lives. That's the kind of church I want to leave behind one day. And so I'm going to ask you three things in closing. Please be part of the mission action planning which kicks off on November the 17th. It's an opportunity for everyone to be part of determining the future direction of the church. Please be praying for the mission and ministry of St. Matthew's that God would continue to grow his church here. And finally, please be praying short-term 
for the staff and PCC as we make decisions in the very near future around the issue of making worship accessible to everyone. It's not easy, and it needs your prayers. Amen.